I once flew in Slovakia 500 kilometers task for eight hours. It was horrible and the weather was so complicated, but I spent more than eight hours in the air that day. Welcome to Soaring the Sky, a glider pilot's podcast. My name is Chuck. I am your host coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and flying with the Cumberland Soaring Group. This is episode 69. In a few short minutes, our guest Hanna will be joining us. Thank you for joining us for another aviation journey. Also, a big thank you to our new Patreon pilot, Tom Glenn. We greatly appreciate your support. And thank you to our other Patreon pilots who continue to support the podcast and make it possible for us to keep bringing you great soaring content. If you would like to be our next Patreon pilot, just go to patreon.com slash soaringthesky. This episode is sponsored by the Southern California Soaring Academy, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in the high desert of Los Angeles County. Soaring Academy is dedicated to growing the sport of soaring with young people through its 8th grade STEM outreach programs and giving back to PTSD-afflicted veterans during private monthly events. Flight lessons and mountain soaring are available year-round to the general public, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. To learn how you can get involved, check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Soaring Academy or online at SoCalSoaringAcademy.org. On this episode, we first join Hanna from the Czech National Gliding Team. She has been around gliders her whole life, with both of her parents being aviators. Hanna started her training in 2005 and soloing at the age of 15 in 2006. In 2007, on her 16th birthday, she received her glider license. Since 2009, she has been participating in gliding competitions. In 2012, she became a member of the Czech National Gliding Team. So far, she has logged over 2,600 hours in the cockpit. That includes 950 launches, 127,000 kilometers in cross-country. That include a gold badge with three diamonds. She has competed in two junior worlds, four women's worlds, and other competitions in the Czech Republic and Slovakia. The gliders she competed in include the Cirrus 75CL, Discus 2AX, GX, the LS8, EU, AU, and FX, and the Ventus 2AX. She joins us today to share her adventures soaring the sky. Then later, we will get some great advice from another glider pilot on our soaring safety segment. Also on this episode, our new soaring tips and techniques segment with Dale Masters as we learn about thermaling with our feet. And Matt from SkySight has given you a chance to try his weather service absolutely free for 17 days. And we'll have a coupon code for this. All this and more now on Soaring the Sky. Anna Truslova, welcome to Soaring the Sky. So happy to have you today. How are you? Hello to all glider pilots. Nice to hear you finally. Yeah, we've been chatting a little bit back and forth and we finally got this scheduled and and here we are. (laughs) So where are you flying out of? Uh, Where I'm flying out of? My home air club is Rana Ulon. It's uh, in the north part of the Czech Republic, so middle Europe. Oh, okay. And how is the terrain there? Oh, well, we are in the flatland side, uh, but there are also some mountains, I don't know, uh, 80 kilometers from us, uh, where we like to fly also. 
So what kind of lift are you getting? You're getting some ridge, some thermals? Uh, well, yeah. At Rana Ulon, uh, there is one famous ridge uh, where, well, the history of gliding started in the Czech Republic. But we fly uh, mostly in thermic, of course, in thermals, but there are not so uh, strong thermals in our area. Uh, we like to go elsewhere for stronger lifts. What kind of thermals are you getting then as far as elevation? We are uh, approximately 250 meters uh, QNH, our airfield, and uh, we have airspace of Prague above us, so there's a limit, there's a ceiling of flight level 65, but uh, till this uh, altitude we uh, fly freely. How did your aviation journey get started? Well, uh, I'm a typical airport child. Uh, both of my parents are glider and private pilots, and they met at the airfield. And so first time I was at the airfield was when I was, I guess, one week old on the way from the hospital with my mom. Uh, so my journey started immediately when I was born, I guess. Uh, I used to fly with my parents as a small child many times uh, in gliders and in powered aircraft also. And I started my glider training when I was 14 years old uh, with my father as a gliding instructor. And I got my license for my 16th birthday. It was in 2007. And I was uh, at my first competition a year later. And I'm gliding and competed ever since. In competition, you're flying with the Czech team? Uh, yeah, yeah. Usually in Czech, in Czech team. Um, I have many... Uh, I have tried uh, many cooperations with many uh, gliding friends and yeah, I, I like the cooperation in competitions. What glider did you solo in? I started my gliding training on Blanik, a famous, famous Czech glider. Uh, then I upgraded uh, to one-seaters and uh, when I was 16 or 17, I guess, uh, my father gave me his uh, standard Cirrus and I flew many, many hours and many kilometers on my Cirrus uh, Charlie India, which I still love. <laughs> but uh, later I, I upgraded to standard class gliders LS8 or Discus 2. And now I am flying uh, Ventus 2A, uh, 15 meters, very uh, fast glider. Ah, oh, very nice. What is one of your most memorable flights? Oh, well, there's many of them. Uh, I had, for example, one very memorable uh, flight at Czech Junior Nationals uh, many years ago, 2014, I guess, uh, when there were amazing cloud streets at Orlitske Mountains in the Czech Republic. And me and my teammates decided to fly uh, the whole AAT task without any circle in the thermal, just straight dolphin flight, you know. And we were successful from start line to finish circle. Uh, it was amazing. And we did over 120 kilometers per hour task speed with our club class gliders there. Uh, then I remember some great flights at competitions in Slovakian mountains or in Australia, where I was twice. Or some of my first, you know, first solo, first uh, cross-country in the wave, first daily winter tasks, and so on. How was Australia this last time? Oh, perfect. Very hot. 
there were fires in the forest. I guess uh, the whole world uh, saw that. Um, but I loved the competition. What has been one of the coolest or maybe strangest things you've seen from the cockpit? It's, again, difficult to pick just one. Uh, I think coolest thing was when I saw the Earth from 7,000 meters Q&H in the long wave. Uh, in general, gliding in the long wave is very cool, full of beautiful views. Mm, or I remember when I saw North Sea from a glider for the first time when we were in Women Worlds in Denmark a few years ago and we had a task close to the shore. Uh, or <laughs> one funny thing, uh, once I met a balloon shaped like a horse in the thermal in 2000 meters above ground. <laughs> That was quite strange. Have you flown with any large birds? <laughs> oh, birds, yes. Uh, for example, in Slovakian mountains, it's common to meet large eagles in the air. Uh, they are not afraid of gliders and they sometimes try to attack you. It's quite scary. Uh, but in the Czech Republic, we meet only smaller and friendly birds in the thermals. Did you run into any birds in Australia? Mm, not so much. I don't know if there were walking on Earth, <laughs> but uh, in Australia we flew in very high altitudes. I guess birds don't like it so high. I don't know. So can you tell me what it's like to be in a competition? Like, how do you prepare? Just kind of walk me through it. Oh, being in competition. Well, uh, the preparation starts uh, at home in your air club. I always uh, try to to fly in uh, many types of weather, uh, to be ready or prepared for everything because what you learn in the training, you will use in the competition, right? Like in every sport. Mm. Then obviously, if you uh, when you uh, have a job, you have to take a vacation or holiday. I have to say I'm lucky to have a job uh, when... Uh, my employee, employer uh, let me go to longer competitions. Um, then I arrive at the competition, uh, put my glider, uh, I guess, from, from the trailer, uh, fill with water, for example. And we, on the competitions, we uh, used to, uh, or we live in a camp, in tents or trailers, um, or home vans. Uh, and I guess it's uh, one big holiday and um, it's the whole different world when you, where you forget about your job and uh, other things and you just live with uh, other glider pilots and glider enthusiasts and it's great sometimes when it's, for example, raining the whole competition it's one great party and it also comes with the sport. Uh, but I like uh, good weather at competitions and many disciplines, many tasks. Um, I guess after 14 uh, days competition with 10 tasks, uh, it, uh, it's really obvious who's the good pilot and who deserves to be on the podium. Uh, and every morning we go to the briefing where we get our task uh, and around noon, Sometimes sooner when the weather forecast looks very good, uh, launches started, starts, uh, and it's always great when you 
make it home and fast. But sometimes, obviously, uh, there is a day where you land out or everyone land out. That it also comes to the sports. You have to have friends who retrieves you from the field if you land out. And um, the end of the day is usually usually uh, with the friends or with beer in your hand, and we like it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> so really, when you're in the competition and you're there, you're there. I mean, you say you're not thinking about your job. You're not thinking about anything else. You're there with, your, with some friends. You're flying. You're focused on the competition. Yes, exactly. What are your plans for the future as far as competing in aviation? What would you like to do? Oh, well, uh, I still want to improve my gliding skills. And of course, I want to, I don't know, be a Czech national champion or world champion one day. Uh, also, I'm now trying to fly uh, 750 kilometers cross country for the diploma, you know. And um, I hope I will be flying and gliding many years. <laughs> now, you're you're actually working in aviation, too, for your job. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Can I ask what you do? Uh, yeah, uh, I uh, work uh, at Prague Airport at a private uh, aviation company with private jets. And I do uh, some part of my job is in the office uh, doing the operations and uh, flying dispatcher. And uh, I also do a handling, uh, which means I take care of the customers and uh, the aircraft also. Um, I am a tug driver, so I tug uh, the aircraft from the hangar uh, to the apron and so on. I love my job, I have to say. Working in aviation must be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Would you like to give anyone a shout out? Uh, of course, uh, mainly to my parents who brought me to the world of gliding and aviation. Uh, my father, who taught me to fly and gave me my first glider. Uh, they both still support me very much in this sport, and I owe them. Uh, I would also like to thank to our team captain of Czech national gliding team, Petr Krejčiřík, uh, who gave me the opportunity to represent Czech Republic in world championships and other competitions and who led our team to many great results. And last but not least, to all my gliding friends who makes it always great fun at gliding comps and <laughs> who retrieved me from many fields after outlandings also. If you could tell someone how they could be a better and safer pilot, would you have some advice for them? Oh, yeah. Sometimes uh, you have to, uh, well, better and safer. Safety, safety, that's uh, one big question in gliding, I guess, and in gliding competitions also. Uh, I also have some scary flights and I sometimes uh, did something which wasn't safe. Uh, I think it comes when you start gliding and competing very young and young and stupid. Uh, I think you have to realize uh, that your results are not are never more important than the safety. Uh, gliding is great sport because you can do it many years, even when you get old. 
so you must not harm yourself for one medal or podium. Uh, if you do wrong in some task, it doesn't matter. There will be other tasks and other medals. Uh, so I would advise that you, other pilots shouldn't be scared, but should be safe and uh, always think that they can fly again tomorrow if today something didn't come as well as they wish. And we have to learn from our mistakes. I guess gliding is um, typical example of a sport where you take uh, your knowledge uh, for many years and you have to learn from your mistakes and don't repeat them. Some very great advice. Thank you. You know, speaking of being into maybe a situation that you did something, you know, later on, you're like, wow, I, I, okay, I learned from it. Is there any mm -hmm. flights that you can, that you remember back on that you did something and you learned from it that really kind of stands out in your mind? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Uh, for example, a few times I picked a field for outlanding very low and very, or too late. I guess this is a common mistake. All because of few more points in the competition. I try not to do this anymore. When, once I land out from straight flight, which is all wrong, you should uh, choose your uh, landing field very carefully and check it out before the landing Not, no straight approaches uh, once I picked the airfield in approx 50 meters above ground it's also very wrong of course the field was bad and I was just lucky that uh, I, it didn't crash the glider uh, as I said I'm trying not to do this anymore uh, I always say to myself that it's always better to land out safely today and fly again tomorrow than do something stupid after which you can't fly the next day. Uh, of course, there's always some risk in gliding which you cannot avoid, but you should lower the, those risks which are in your hands, I guess. When you were in your training, was there one thing about gliding that you had a tougher time with that you really had to work on. I mean, a lot of people say mm -hmm. it's landing. Some people, you know, have other examples. What was tough on that? But maybe what was something that you really had to work on about gliding? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, many years I'm trying to learn to fly in mountains, mainly in Slovakia. Uh, I'm still not good at it, I guess. I'm still scared of mountains and. Uh, proximity of uh, earth uh, flatland side gliding is uh, much easier but I take it as a challenge and I want to learn uh, gliding in mountains one day really good well that's the thing we're all learning and we need to constantly keep learning to be safer pilots for yeah. sure yeah exactly the mountains are very beautiful to fly in but yeah they can be very unforgiving too yeah yeah I think so too what has been maybe one of your competitions you've had? Maybe not one of the better ones, but just one that you just really had a lot of fun with. A lot of fun. Uh, I guess those were all junior championships uh, in Poland and in Australia. I don't know which one to choose, but with juniors, it's always fun. It was great. And I, it's very memorable for me still. What do you do in the off-season? <laughs> Uh, yeah, off-season. Uh, in winter, 
Uh, I like to do other competitions than not only gliding. I like running and sports and maybe I am a competitive type or I don't know, but uh, I like running competitions very much also. And I think it comes well with gliding when it's bad weather for gliding. It's great weather for running. So I compare this. It is. And, you know, an important thing that we talk about sometimes, but not a lot. We've talked a little bit about on the podcast, but staying healthy and staying fit is super important. And I hear it's really important when you're competing in gliding. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Even like uh, the higher altitudes when there's not as much oxygen, I'm sure you carry oxygen when you need to, but everybody's limitations are different. But I guess I'm trying to say if, Mm -hmm. if you stay healthier, that makes things a lot easier. (laughs) yeah i have my own experiences with uh low oxygen in the waves and it's not good (laughs) and yeah uh, you have to be healthy to for example for the long competition you have to have the energy and not get tired after first day how is that as far as the competition what what's what is maybe an average day as far as hours how how long are you in the air uh, it depends, but um, I think minimum is about three hours. And I once flew in Slovakia 500 kilometers task for eight hours. It was horrible. <laughs> the weather was so complicated. But uh, I spent more than eight hours in the air that day. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't imagine that. That's, that is a long time. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about the wave getting in, getting into a situation as far as being high altitude, low oxygen. Can you tell mm-hmm. me about one of those times it was tough? Uh, yeah, uh, it was uh, one of my first cross countries in the wave. Uh, I Every autumn I uh, go to a uh, long wave uh, gliding camp in Kronov, uh, in the, uh, after, uh, behind uh, Yeseniki Mountains. And it was, as I said, one of my first cross countries and I was without oxygen or I uh, had a um, f- uh, oxygen bomb which was almost empty when I started but the weather was so good and so complicated also it wasn't it was very uh, moisture that day uh, there were many clouds in the air so we have to fly very high higher than I uh, wanted and uh, after a few hours, uh, the uh, oxygen went out and uh, it wasn't enough of it in the air. And I wasn't feeling that well. Well, sometimes I was feeling too too well. Uh, it's uh, Sometimes you are too happy when you have uh, not enough oxygen. But uh, other friends on uh, frequency realized that something is wrong with me and they said it's it's the beginning of uh, low oxygen you know uh, and then of course uh, I had a headache and I wasn't feeling well uh, on ground and, and then that day I decided that I will not fly without oxygen never again in the wave. Uh, evidently epoxia started setting in. Yeah yeah euphoria is like one of the one of the signs scary stuff but i'm glad you your friends realized it and you were able to get get back on the ground and learn from it yeah yeah exactly one of those mistakes which you have to learn from that's how we learn you know and 
hopefully you get through the mistake and you're alive to not do it again and teach others. Yes, yes. If you are lucky enough, then it's like this. Now, we were talking earlier, before we actually started recording this, talking about other pilots and, and kind of like a big family. But of course, you've run into Sebastian Kahl. We've had him on the podcast. We were just talking about a super nice guy. And he has a lot, you know, a lot. We can learn a lot from him. But what has been one of your experiences meeting different people in the soaring world? Uh, of course, uh, there are people that you like more and that you like less. Usually it's uh, when you not get along well with someone in on the ground, uh, it will be also bad company in the air. Uh, I don't like... For example, pilots who are too dangerous, who think that uh, gliding task on a small competition is the end of the world and they put you in uh, unsafe uh, positions and situations. They are circling too close to you or dangerously. Or, or for example, uh, if you have to fly with them in a team, uh, then they are lying to you or not giving you the right information in the air and uh, they try to uh, be just better than you um, in an unfair manner. Yeah, of course, uh, some people are like this, but uh, I have to say that the majority of glider pilots are intelligent and nice people. That's why we do this sport, right? The community is great in general. Absolutely, yeah. It is It is a family community. Even the people that you run into that you're just meeting, it seems like you've known them forever and it makes you feel very comfortable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You all are flying again, I'm sure, after all this, right? Yeah, yeah. We are again able to fly. We uh, had one competition this year also in the Czech Republic after the... Uh, virus pandemia, you know, so everything's getting back to the normal. How did it feel to get back in the glider? Uh, well, it it was great, but this winter I was in Australia in Women World, uh, so my break in gliding wasn't that long, I guess three, four months, so it wasn't so bad for me, the break, uh, but other people who stayed in Europe uh, were unhappy, I guess, because we are always uh, looking forward to spring when the uh, weather is best in the Czech Republic for gliding. And there are also many funny competitions in spring and they were all cancelled or postponed. But fortunately, it's over, I hope, and uh, we will fly again till the winter. In your soaring, what types of launch do you do the most? Have you, is it mostly winch launch? Is it aero toe? What, do what are you doing? Uh, I did my glider training uh, with combination of winch launch and aero toe. I guess I have 250 winch launches, which is quite uh, many, I guess. Uh, and uh, But later with the faster gliders, uh, I only do winch launch, uh, sorry, uh, aeroto launches. And can you tell me why? I guess it's uh, common in the Czech Republic. Uh, well, our uh, winches are mostly built for 
training flights because you can uh, get only approximately 200 meters above ground by the winch launch. Uh, so it's good enough only for the you know, uh, landing pattern and uh, for the glider training, but you cannot uh, reach thermals by the winch um, usually. Sometimes you can, but uh, it's an exception, I guess. So uh, aerotoes are common. Uh, now it's quite uh, usual to have uh, ultralights as a uh, tax. So the aerotoe launch is also quite cheap. Okay, that makes sense. Now, I know in competition, you may be in a gaggle really close to a, a lot of other gliders. Have you had any near misses? Uh, yeah, a near misses comes, I guess. Uh, it, it happens sometimes, but uh, I'm quite scared of these uh, close gliding in uh, thermals. I try to avoid large goggles. But sometimes you cannot, usually in blue thermic, uh, before the task starts. Uh, there are huge giggles, uh, but I try to fly there uh, to keep everyone safe. Uh, I have to say uh, I was still lucky enough uh, that uh, those close misses are not uh, very frequent. I mean, obviously I've never been in a competition, but... You know, I see those videos sometimes on YouTube and other places, but I'm like, wow, it just seems really crazy being that close to all those gliders and mm -hmm. everyone staying where they need to be. That would make me really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes it's crazy, but you will get used to it, I think, and you can learn to fly safely in big giggles also. Is there anything you'd like to add today? Uh, I guess I'm done <laughs> it was great talking to you <laughs> yeah thank you so much for being on the podcast yeah it's been, it's been a lot of fun it's been great to have you it's nice for you to share your stories thank you very much also for this opportunity absolutely and we'll be keeping an eye on you and see how things go for you in the future and your <laughs> competitions do you have an instagram or social media that you would like to share that maybe they can check out yeah, uh, okay. I, I have quite a lot of pictures on my Facebook page, Hanička Treslova. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I started the Instagram a few months um, from now, so it's not so full. But on the Facebook, I have many pictures. I can definitely share it. Okay, I can put those in the show notes if that's fine with you. Yeah, okay. You can do that. Thank you. Thank you, Hanna. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much also. You have a great day and we'll check back with you soon in the future. Okay, you have a great day too. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. And now our Soaring Safety segment with previous guest Gary Kemp. This, this goes along the lines of don't let yourself be distracted when putting the glider together. I was putting the guy, uh, I would, often did this when I flew alone out of uh, uh, Orland when I was up there with the uh, Chico Club. And uh, we'd fly, uh, I'd fly alone often and I'd have to put the glider together often. I had my son with me on this particular occasion. And I, I again, I had had uh, the aircraft up at John Sinclair's. 
doing some work on it. He had made me a little uh, device with uh, five fingers, uh, or, or uh, actually slipped over my uh, elevator push rod, and it said, uh, had written on it, five pins. And I thought, well, that's a cool little deal, because because uh, I have five pins that I have to make sure are hooked up in safety. My my ailerons, both ailerons and and both uh, speed brakes or dive brakes, and my elevator push rod. And I, and I took it off the elevator push rod, and I took it over to my son Tom. And I said, "Hey, look at this, Tom! Isn't this a cool little mnemonic device to remember to hook everything up?" He said, "Yeah, that's really neat." And, and guess what? <laughs> I didn't hook up the elevator push rod. Got in the airplane without the elevator hooked up. I had a center of gravity uh, 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 tow hook on my Pegasus at the time, and as soon as I got flying speed, the aircraft kited, and I knew what had happened immediately. I reached for the release and pulled it. Of course, I'm nose heavy now, and my nose pitches over, and I and I said, well, all I can do is keep the wings level. I caromed off the runway. It hit the uh, the fuselage just ahead of the wheel. It kind of bounced off. It didn't do any damage. I knew immediately what I had done. Nobody else did. I got out, and I uh, hooked up the elevator and uh, pinned safety it and uh, hooked up the tow rope and went flying. And uh, I, I know at least three people who have died because they did not hook up that elevator. And I was just um, blind luck that I was able to overcome that problem. So when you hook up aircraft, make sure you uh, are not interrupted. And secondly, obviously, I didn't do a, a control check and uh, because I would have found it on a control check. And uh, so th- all those things, uh, you know, you, you look at things that'll, that'll keep you alive uh, after and through a flight. And those are some of the things I found during the years. To sponsor our safety soaring segment, contact me at chuck at soaringthesky.com. Hi, it's Natalie Flygirl Kelly. And Fly Alyssa. We are female pilots, aviation lovers, and hosts of the podcast, Cockpits and Cocktails. We use this podcast as a way of sharing our journeys in aviation and allowing other females in aviation to share their amazing, inspiring stories as well. Please give us a listen and join us for this fun, informative podcast with adventure and humor waved in. Blue skies. Cheers. And now our Sky Sight Soaring Tips and Techniques segment with Dale Masters. The uh, concept is if you're in a bank, rudder can control all three axes of control, roll, pitch, and yaw in a bank. And so if you're in the thermal, and you use aileron to control your bank, adverse yaw will change your direction and you'll lose the lift. But if you use rudder to control your bank and your direction, it just helps you stay in the stronger lift, especially if it's a dynamic thermal. If it's broad, weak lift, it doesn't. my method doesn't really help. But uh, I'm thoroughly convinced, and my former students are convinced that Yeah, mostly rudder and very little aileron is the way to stay in a feisty thermal. It's not any more difficult, really. It just, uh, it's not sort of natural mentally, and so it takes a while to get used to it. But for me, it's a habit. I basically fly with my feet. Thank you, Dale. If you want to hear Dale's story, check out episode 65. Dale flies with Soaring Academy in SoCal. If you want to fly with Dale and you're going to be in the Southern California area, you can contact them at SoCalSoaringAcademy.org. It is quite the experience. I was able to fly with Dale myself, and it's definitely something you want to do if you have that chance. 
Dale is also the author of Soaring Beyond the Basics. Thank you for joining us for another soaring adventure and hearing some great advice from pilots all over the globe. Thank you for joining our Facebook group, Soaring the Sky Podcast. A lot of you continue to join. Thank you for that. And our Instagram also continues to grow. I'm super excited. You are definitely helping out our soaring community. We are planning on bigger things in the future, so stay tuned and stay with us as we continue this journey. Don't forget to check out SkySight. Matt Scudder has given us that special coupon code, Soaring the Sky, all caps, Soaring the Sky. It is also going to be in the show notes there. Michelle has all our social media info for you next. While you're waiting for the next episode, check out our large podcast library of episodes from Sebastian Cava to Red Bull's aerobatic glider pilot, Luca Bertozia, and so many more. Hear all the stories on your favorite podcast app or at SoaringTheSky.com. Stay healthy, stay safe, and happy soaring. If you would like to say hi, just drop Chuck a line at Chuck at SoaringTheSky.com. Or you can send us a note on the website, SoaringTheSky.com. Also, if you're a pilot, we want to hear your story. Just send us an email and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next week for another great guest and adventure on Soaring the Sky. Music for the podcast was written and produced by Kim Spangler. Voiceover work was provided by Michelle Perez. Graphic design for the podcast was created by Zachary Fulton.